And I spread a song so you can sing along With my special guest star or two You like to sing and dance And this podcast by chance Explores musicals for you everyone welcome back to another episode of life's but a song a podcast that likes to live in the land of musicals i'm your host john and with me is a, my, a very very special guest she was actually my first guest ever and tracy was her dream role to play that she eventually did perform as her it's rebecca edmonds everyone Woo! thank you so much for having me back i'm so excited to be here I'm super excited. And like when you suggested this episode, I was just like, yes. I mean, Hairspray is such a great movie anyway. Right? It's, I mean, the original, of course, you know, the original movie from the 80s, John Waters' brilliance. But then I love the show so much. And then they turned it into a musical. You know, it was just everything. So where did you? I could hope for. So where did you perform it? So I performed it, uh, it was in college on a summer between, um, I think, junior and senior year um, in Erie, Pennsylvania, which is where I'm from. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. Was it like a regional house or community theater or somewhere like in the middle between those two? (laughs) Yeah, it was was a community theater um, where I grew up doing shows and I wasn't originally planning on auditioning for it because the rehearsals were during the summertime, but then the run was going to be when I was already back at school. And so I was like, oh, this is going to be difficult. I would have to drive back and forth from school for rehearsals and then for the shows and everything. And I was in another show earlier in the summer and a bunch of the girls in the cast were like, you have to audition for this. We like... I don't understand who else is going to be Tracy if it's not you. And I was like, all right, all right. Like, that's very nice of you. But also there's plenty of talented people in Erie, Pennsylvania that could do this. But I was like, you know, it's my dream role. I might as well just go out for it. Just try it. What's the worst that could happen? They say no? Like, (laughs) And, you know, I put on my form specifically, like, I'm only auditioning for this part. If I don't get it, then I would love to do the show, but it's not going to work out for my schedule. So... I can't be in the cast if I'm not Tracy, basically, um, which is a little <laughs> bit ballsy, but they, they do always ask that on their like audition forms if you are only interested in a specific role and you don't want to do the show otherwise, because they don't want to waste anybody's time and they don't want to waste their time ca- casting you in a show if you're just going to drop out of it. Would um, you have done it if they cast you as her understudy though? Or do they uh, do understudies at this place? They don't really, but if they did something like that, I possibly would have you know if I was like in the ensemble like nicest kids and was understudying Tracy I think I still probably would have done it because you know maybe they would have made arrangements to still give me a couple performances or something like that you would have <laughs> showgirls'd her wouldn't you and just like thrown <laughs> pearls everywhere and pushed her down the <laughs> stairs oopsie I guess I have to go on <laughs> there is this act that's so funny that you mentioned that because um <laughs> there's a friend of mine who I did shows with back home who always made this joke about me that I would like show girls people <laughs> no I'm, like, no Rebecca, don't do it. Person. oh <laughs> yeah okay. I'm like completely that not that personality and so she she would just make this joke that she's like oh Becca she's such a showboating bitch she's gonna push you down the stairs you better watch out for her 
so it's hilarious that you would make that comment not knowing <laughs> that story but, she, but rebecca has it she hasn't i can attest to it she's no. she is like the epitome of the sweetest girl unless that's unless that's the act huh now i'm quite <laughs> as I'm i kidding. sip my coffee <laughs> yes <laughs> but obviously we're talking about hairspray the musical extravaganza event that came out in 2007 the screenplay was by leslie dixon based off of obviously like we said john waters 1988 movie oh i'm a, i'm as old as that movie i didn't realize that <laughs> so fun i'm one year younger <laughs> uh oh god uh <laughs> mark o'donnell and thomas Meehan wrote the book for the musical and music by Mark Shaman and lyrics by Scott Whitman and Mark Shaman. Again, your besties from Smash. Yes. I, you know, I, there's a theme here. Clearly, I love Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman music a lot. I'm, I mean, they're not, um, they're, they write bangers. They do. So it's not from, not out of nowhere, my love for them. <laughs> they write some of the best musical theater music I think I've ever heard. They're like, they're, they feel like they're Generation X where they're not classical, but they're not like contemporary. They're just like in that weird middle. Yeah, they are kind of like a bridge between- Like Rodgers and Hammerstein. Like the more traditional musical theater. And then to what we have now, like Pasek and Paul, Jason Robert Brown, things like that. I think they do bring in a lot of influences uh, from like pop music, especially for this show, pop music of the time of the 60s influenced it a lot but they do also just write it's just such good musical theater like music that tells a story um that you don't always get with contemporary pop musicals right and then um the it was directed and choreographed by adam shakeman who i have a feeling i'm going to be saying that name a lot and according to imdb now I'm going to right off the bat disagree with some of it. Pleasantly plump teenager Tracy Turnblad teaches 1962 Baltimore a thing or two about integration after landing a spot on a local TV dance show. I mean, not really disagree. It's just like they watered down mm-hmm. every, everything that's going on in the movie. Yeah, they, that's a very bare bones description of <laughs> of what's happening here, <laughs> but you know, they got to give you a, a short little blurb, I guess. That you were in the show, what, like 10 years ago? Yeah, about 10 years ago. How well do you remember the script? There's certain, <laughs> it's, there's certain scenes that I definitely remember more than others because I have still auditioned for the show after the, after having That's done it. Um, yeah. So, so I've you done have... certain scenes over and over again for auditions. Because, <laughs> <laughs> um, like, uh, watching the movie, you know, obviously they sometimes take liberties. They change. They make a different concept from the stage version just to make it make "quote unquote" sense for the masses. Mm-hmm. Did they really change anything from the movie uh, from the stage version to the movie? Like, drastically change something? I don't think so. I think the script was pretty similar to to the book for the show. There's definitely lines that are ripped directly from it. Right. Um, yeah. The only like plot point, I guess, that was different 
uh, is that after the, the protest um, where they're marching to protest that Negro Day is no more at the, at the TV station, they all get arrested and go to jail, all of the, the ladies. And oh, right. In the show and in the, in the movie, they didn't go with that plot line. So that maybe to me is the biggest difference between the show and the movie. Because there, there were parts where I was just like, is she trying to, are they trying to make her be the white savior? But then there are other parts where it's like, mm, but she's also just a white girl mm-hmm. in, caught in the middle of everything. So I don't know. How, do you, how did you feel about it? Yeah, they do a little bit do that white savior trope. Um, <laughs> and I think, again, in the show, and maybe I'm not remembering it, correctly but I don't think that that's as much of the case in the show I do feel like Motormouth Maybell is much more of like the leader in that situation where she's like you know what we should do we should plan this march and Tracy's like yeah we're gonna do it and then Edna's kind of standing there like "Hmm, I don't know about this but you're my daughter so I'll support you so it does feel like it's more of being led by Motormouth in that case, where in the movie, I do think they tried to make it more like, oh, it's Tracy's idea. Mm. She's, she's the one who's like, these are my friends and they're amazing. And I'm going to make sure that everybody knows it. I'm going to lead this protest. Which is weird because they cast a nobody as her. Well, an unknown, I should say. Like that was the whole point. I remember them doing the search for... Tracy Turnblad and yes. when they announced that she worked at Coldstone and all that I was just like damn it I'm a few years ahead of you <laughs> <laughs> yes I ended up which is it's funny because a few years after well several years after the movie came out um because I was still in high school when it came out but after the fact I worked at a singing ice cream shop Stop. and And I was like, oh man, if only they had like, you know, made the movie several years later. Because I would, one of my songs that I would sing at the ice cream shop was Good Morning Baltimore. But we would change the words because we were performing on the Jersey Shore. So I would sing Good Morning Jersey Shore. Oh. The lyrics to be all about Jersey. In the hopes, in the hopes that a Broadway producer would come and be like, her. We yes. want her. <laughs> yeah, that was, you know, the dream was that we'd be serving ice cream sundaes and some producer would come in and be like, yes, you right now. <laughs> Never um, happened, unfortunately. <laughs> okay, so I kind of want to talk about the rest. Let's talk about the rest of the cast a little bit. Because yeah. you've got basically, like I said, uh, Nikki Blonsky at the time was like the unknown. And they were they did that on purpose. But like they stacked the cast with all these named actors and actresses and i feel like one of them did should not be there personally oh who who is that i didn't like amanda Bynes. oh yes okay because i could see that i mean i get it they she was still writing high on the nickelodeon fame and everything and penny's supposed to be a little bit of a comedic character mm-hmm. but i i don't know man i feel like they should have gotten gone with a unknown as well for her yeah i understand that 
perspective for sure. I enjoyed Amanda Bynes's acting performance. Again, she's like awkward character who like is just gangly, lanky, doesn't really know what to do with her body. So I think Amanda did that well, but definitely vocally, it was not what I wanted from from yeah. that. I mean, and yeah, a, a lot of it, a lot of my judgment is based off of you can't stop the beat where mm-hmm. they clearly gave her a dress so tight that she can't do the dance moves at the end because Amanda Bynes isn't a dancer. Yeah. But I don't know. I feel like you could have found somebody who was a better dancer, maybe a little more gangly looking. I don't know. That's just me though. And obviously this is 15 years later, 16 years. Nope. (laughs) Wait. 14? 14 years later. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for the math. (laughs) That's so, it still seems like when you go back and watch it, it's, it doesn't seem like it was that long ago that it came out. If that makes any sense. Like, and I guess because it's a period piece, like you can kind of, it could have, it could come out today and it would look pretty much the same as far as costumes and things. I liked it because if you go back in time, and watch period pieces from like the 60s versus now mm-hmm. you can tell in the 60s that the costumes were influenced by the 60s when they're supposed to be in like roman times or whatever yes if you when you watch movies now i don't know what happened <laughs> in the costume in the costume industry but like doesn't feel like there's a modern influence if you mm-hmm. will I could be singing a different tune in about 20 years. Who knows? <laughs> but speaking of costumes, um, the designer, it was Rita Rayek. I hope I'm pronouncing her last name right. She's designed for other films such as Rock of Ages, Charlotte's Web that came out in 2006, The Cat in the Hat, A Beautiful Mind, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And on stage... She did me one and only and hair at the at the Hollywood Bowl in 2014. Oh, so cool. like she's got a lot of different things going on. Yeah, and I think I did read that like um, a lot of like the extras were wearing vintage clothes. Oh, that's so um, cool. I I love when they do that. I hate when it happens on set because um, like when it happens on stage because dancing is not was not made for clothing yes <laughs> it looks great but like you know you you do a lunge and all of a sudden it just falls apart <laughs> right <laughs> having to make a lot of repairs or like there's probably issues with having to the way that those pieces have to be cleaned or taken care of versus yes. making something in the style you know of the period but with fabrics that are much more durable and can be forgiven (laughs) (laughs) for a show that you know you're doing eight times a week versus a movie which is a one-off you know maybe they're shooting the scene throughout like uh, taking a day to shoot a musical scene or something like that so there might have been some issues there but they might never use that costume again after that day stretch fabrics for everyone (laughs) yes i actually fabric i actually worked on a production when was that? 2011, I want to say. I was a stitcher for it. So like I was there helping build costumes or alter them and whatever. And one of my big, one of the big things that I made was a dress for Edna. 
our Edna, he was like six two and he was like a bodybuilder. So he was jacked. I love that. <laughs> I can't remember if he altered his voice as Edna or if he did like Harvey Firestein and kind of kept it as mm-hmm. is. I know he didn't John Travolta it, which was just like, where are we going with this? But that was a great production. Did your Edna change his voice at all? Like do a higher pitch or something? He did. I think he was kind of somewhere in between what John Travolta did and Harvey Firestein. So it was a little bit more campy, stagey, um, like Mama Rose. No, he didn't do the accent. Okay, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But it was, I would say, more in the direction of like a more feminized version of the character as opposed to like clearly this is a drag queen um right yeah if that makes any sense yeah um how was how tall was he he's probably about six foot maybe a little less than that yeah he's not like huge huge but i mean he's taller than me but i'm five three so pretty much everyone's taller than me (laughs) and then you put the heels on and then the wigs and all of a sudden he's like eight feet tall gigantic We kind of touched upon this earlier where you mentioned The Big Doll House. They cut five songs from the original stage version. Mm -hmm. They added two, I want to say. Yeah, they added two because Lady's Choice and Big Blonde and Beautiful Reprise. And then in the credits, uh, you can hear Mama, I'm a Big Girl Now and Cooties. How did you feel about those cut songs? I mean, obviously, with the way that they did it, the Big Doll House makes sense to cut it. Right. Um, and I think, again, in, a, in the stage production of the show, that number makes sense and it, it translates well. It's the act two opener and it's kind of this big, like they play the entract and then it goes directly into the song and it's as the curtains rising like da 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 you know it's very almost um Chicago like he had it come in sort of feel to it Mm -hmm. and yeah it makes sense in the context of the show obviously like they because they get arrested where is in the movie they don't but I don't know that it would have translated as well in the movie if they had decided to go down that track and go with that same plot line it would have been interesting to see it done on film, but I don't know how well it would have worked. But then like Mama, I'm a big girl now and Cooties, I, I do like how they had all the Tracys sing Mama, I'm a big girl now for the credits. Like that yeah. was, that was kind of cute, but like, I wish I saw it on, I, w- I like how you feel about the big dollhouse. I wish I saw it on film. Like if they were, if they had to divide the screen up into thirds, I wouldn't care because it kind of, it would it would flow with it. Yeah, and I do love that song too. It's kind of all three of those girls, Tracy, Amber, and Penny. It's that moment happens early on, and it's kind of like their "I want" song. It's like mm-hmm. this is this is what I want. This is what I want to do. I want to be free of like I'm growing up and I'm a big girl now. You know, I want to go out and do all these things without you holding me back, mom. So you kind of miss that a little bit in the movie because it does really focus much more on Tracy um, and you don't get as much of 
the other characters' inner emotions or monologues. Because even in You Can't Stop the Beat, they cut out the Von Tussel section, which I don't know about you, but like whenever I listened to the original Broadway cast recording of Hairspray, I felt my face off at that point. Oh, yeah. Come and use the Tussel Scout and shake your fatty muscles. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then Cooties is just a fun song that like, I oh wait, no, they actually did play the music for the the um, Miss Hairspray contest. It's just yes. that they didn't do this, the lyrics. Right. It yeah. Is, yeah, it's a fun song, but it is, we get enough of a sense that Amber is a mean girl without her singing a whole song about how like disgusting Tracy is <laughs> to her face, like. But like, um, I have the image of the original John Waters movie where Tracy comes out in that dress that has the bugs all over mm-hmm. it because Amber said that she had cooties and everything. And I was just like, that's a finale dress. I don't understand why she's wearing a checkerboard dress in this movie because Penny is the quote unquote checkerboard chick. Right. But if they had cooties, it would make I would want I wish they would have given her that kind of a dress too. Mm-hmm. Personally. <laughs> yeah, well, and because that costume is so iconic too. Even if you haven't seen the original hairspray movie, I feel like everybody at this point now has seen that dress. Um, especially if you're a, a drag race fan, we've seen Alaska um oh yes a version of that. We've seen other queens wear a version of the cootie dress. So Right. Yes. We've seen it referenced and everybody knows it. And (laughs) I think, you know, they were maybe trying to set themselves apart and say, okay, well, we give respect to that original movie, but this is our thing and this is its own film. Um, kind of celebrating what came before the movie and the musical. And here now is a movie of the musical. I know I said that there was only two songs added because the new girl in town which isn't in the stage version, was originally written for that, but it was cut at some point. Oh, cool. I so I like that song because it shows you how the music industry really was. Mm-hmm. or Well, is, I should say. Especially with uh, Maybell's line where she's like, they wrote it. It's their song. Why wouldn't they yeah. sing it? But then if you have the DVD of the movie, there's another song called I Can Wait. It was written for the movie, I believe. Tracy sings it while she's in the bunker and it was filmed but cut. So you could hear it on the two disc album or on the special features of the DVD. Oh, cool. And that's and I'm this this is not an ad. I am not <laughs> I am not sponsored by them. Although please sponsor me. Uh <laughs> yes, please. Please sponsor me. <laughs> But I was I was also looking it up with all the trivia and everything, and it turns out the choreography team makes cameos in the movie. They do, yeah. Yeah, so Adam Shankman, director choreographer, also worked on Rock of Ages, uh, choreographed once more with Feeling, uh, the wedding planner, and she's all that, you know, that little that little dance scene in there. He plays a talent agent with Ricky Lake. I think mm-hmm. he's the one who has the script 
when Velma like looks at it and is like, oh, bye bye birdie. Amber's perfect for this role or whatever the mm-hmm. show was. And Fletcher plays the nurse in I Can Hear the Bells. And Jamal Sims is a dancer in Maybell Store. And then Zach Woodley is one of the smoking teachers in I Can Hear the Bells. <laughs> or the smoking teacher. He choreographed um, 87 episodes of Glee. He so did. if that name sounds familiar. And Jamal we, we Sims. We bow down to Zach Woodley. We bow down to Zach Woodley. <laughs> and Jamal Sims, speaking of Drag Race, he's one of the, I want to say he's the recent choreographer for mm-hmm. that. Yeah, they use Jamal a lot. They've used Todrick Hall in the past. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Jamal Sims appears on Drag Race quite frequently. I think he was the one... Uh, yeah, he was on the recent, this this past, this current season, season 13, I should yeah. say, in case you're listening to this in the super future. And then Anne Fletcher choreographed um, The 40-Year-Old Virgin, Get Him to the Greek, Walk Hard, and that's all I could find. <laughs> I feel like there's more, but mm-hmm. who knows? And another fun fact that I saw is that Aretha Franklin originally auditioned for Maybell. Oh, how- fun would that movie be (laughs) i mean i love queen latifah but that would have been iconic no offense to queen latifah because like she is a goddess in her own right but like aretha aretha (laughs) i mean i'm just thinking about it now can you imagine like those vocals on big blonde and beautiful just aretha like wailing oh my god it would have been so different but so worth it yeah, absolutely. Speaking of Maybell, I'm a little confused about her relations with Seaweed and Little Inez. Is she like their mother? Yes, she is. Okay, because it wasn't really specified in the movie. Yeah, I would I would say it is not quite as clear in the movie as it is in the show that she is their mom. In the show, there's this whole scene, the detention scene. When Tracy gets detention, she goes and she meets Seaweed and they dance together that's when she finds out he tells her in the show that his mom is Motormouth Maybell and she freaks out because she loves Motormouth she loves Negro Day on and so she's like oh my god your mom is Motormouth Maybell like this is crazy because they definitely mentioned in the movie that seaweed is the older brother for little Inez Mm -hmm. or Inez I should just say (laughs) yeah it's it's much more I, don't, I think he definitely introduces Maybell as his mom when they go to the record shop after Run and Tell That. Oh my but, God. Oh, which is oh my God. One of the best performances. Elijah Kelly is just incredible as Seaweed, and it's so good. I the read that they, they had to like cut up a bus into six different sections for filming it. Oh, that's so cool. And if you watch it again, you can kind of see what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But like, and the dance, the dancing overall in this movie is just fantastic because, like, it, that's that's the mo- that's the show, yeah, and the movie. It's- yeah, I think it so well brings in all of those iconic dances from the time period, um, but it's still like fresh too. Yeah. You know, we have the mashed potato and the jerk and all of these things that they do but it's still contemporary in a way, which I really love about it. I'm thinking of, oh crap, what's the, 
What's the one that seaweed makes up that Tracy um, does during Ladies' Choice? Oh, Place? I think he calls, yeah, the Peyton Place after midnight. That, I think, is a, a quote-unquote original, not like the mashed potato or anything. Okay, so obviously your training was is not the same as Nikki Blonsky's training for this. So, like, what was the uh, rehearsal process for you? What's unique about this show, um, as opposed to some other musicals, is that the ensemble kind of sings everything as well. Like, they're always singing in the background. Oh, good. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, background vocals with the, with the soloists. And so we did a lot of music rehearsal first to make sure everybody was strong on their parts because then we knew once we hit the dance rehearsal period, it was like, it would all go out the window if we weren't like really secure on that. So we did a lot of music rehearsal and then we started working on the choreography. We had a director choreographer, but she also brought in another choreographer to work on more of the like Jamal Sims like the more the stylistic differences between it was very important to her as a director um to differentiate like what the same movement would look like when a bunch of white people are doing it versus when a bunch of black people are doing it and then by the end how we kind of brought that together did they work together to do you can't stop the beat or was it the that's awesome. I have to say. Yeah, it was like, really cool. That is great. But like for you personally playing Tracy, I've heard stories about how like, you know, obviously dance rehearsals, you sweat everything off, but you're supposed to keep your figure. Yes. Was that a nightmare for you? <laughs> um, you know, a little bit. <laughs> and we actually ended up which is not the way that I think it should be done. If you can avoid it, you should have somebody who's like the right size for the role. Um, but I did lose a lot of weight in dance rehearsals. And so they did end up patting me for the show. I wore a, a bit of a fat suit, um, if you will. It wasn't like an equity contract where you had, you're signing your life away saying, this is what I'll look like for opening or whatever. Yeah, you know, it's a community theater, so I wasn't, and again, it wasn't like I was actively trying to lose weight. I really, like, I was just <laughs> dancing every day, and it was, of course, it's in the middle of summer. We're rehearsing in a, stu- in a rehearsal studio that has no air conditioning, Done. so we're all just, like, drenched every day, and, and like, yeah, we get to the point where we're doing costume fittings, and they're like, oh, okay, we're, we're gonna have to pad you because you're, you've just lost a lot of weight. <laughs> There's no way you can gain the 50 pounds that you just lost, which by the way, good for I you. I don't but know if like... it was quite that much, but. <laughs> <laughs> but cause like Tracy's dancing the whole, like from top to bottom. She is. Yeah. It's what I love so much about this show. Okay. It was one of the first shows that I saw on Broadway And the first time that I saw somebody that looked like me seen as desirable, right? Like she's not the joke. She's not, I mean, there are people that make jokes about her in the show, but like, she's clearly the hero. And you look at those other people like Amber as the villain. So you're like, that's rude. This girl is awesome. And she like breaks that stereotype of that, like fat people are lazy or they don't, they can't move. Like we can, we can dance and I, I love that about the show was that a curvy girl got to be the lead. Well, would you say Amber is the villain or is she just a minion for her mom? 
or are they both the villain? <laughs> I mean, in the movie, I would say that Velma, the mom, is more the villain. Because she straight um, up killed her husband. Let's be yeah. <laughs> right. We just like gloss over that that line <laughs> where she's like, he sadly died of something. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, just moves she, on. She straight up killed um, him for the for the studio. yeah and i think amber is just kind of doing what she sees her mom do and she kind of has that moment at the end where she's like i lost mom like let's just get over it it's not that big of a deal and she starts to kind of come around to the fact that maybe it's okay to celebrate people's differences other than to always think of yourself as you know i have to be perfect and no one else is as good as i am kind of mentality so do you have any fun stories that you can like spill the tea on? <laughs> um, one of my favorite stories that I wrote down. Um, I love that you had to write it down, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to remember it because I knew I wanted to tell this story. The other cool thing about this show, again, it's my community theater back home. So my dad actually ended up playing my dad in the show. No way. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. Big Wilbur. And the gentleman who played Edna was, um, his name is Sean. And he actually, several years later, ended up playing Valjean when I played Cosette in Les Mis. So he, he has played both my father and my mother at different points in my life. <laughs> That's um, amazing. But one of the performances when they were doing You're Timeless to Me, the song has this little like dance sequence and they're, they're ad-libbing. They would say funny lines to each other, try to make each other laugh like during the show and Sean had the these like bloomers on underneath his costume and at one point during the song they're like dancing they're doing a turn and the bloomers just fall off (gasps) (laughs) no (laughs) and we're all like watching backstage from the wings and just cracking up and He's, I'm trying so hard to remember exactly what he said because it was just this perfect line that was hilarious and my dad cracked up. It was something about like, oh, Wilbur, I, I wasn't ready for that yet. Like, <laughs> hilarious and perfect. And um, that was just one of my favorite like snafus that happened during the show that of course, someone who's a consummate professional would just turn it into a joke and everybody in the audience loved it. Like it was perfect. You have one other story. We have, um, we have time for one more. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> do, you, do, you have any, do you have any good ones? Like was your Amber a bitch or were you actually just like best friends with her the whole time? No. Yeah. We, the cast, especially the, the teenagers, like, well, we weren't all teenagers at that point. I was in, I was like 2021. 20, um, actually I had my 21st birthday during the run of the show. Ooh. I didn't like go out, you know, and have your typical 21st birthday because we had a, had a mat- matinee the next day. So oh. <laughs> that <didn't> get uh, <laughs> wasted, but <laughs> that's okay. Hopefully they but made yeah, it up to all... like that weekend or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I think I did end up celebrating my birthday like a couple weeks later at school or something. We went out and did a full like, let's all go get drunk downtown Fredonia. <laughs> at a girl. At the like two bars. <laughs> but yeah, we all were really close knit cast 
And I think, yeah, the girl who played my Amber was just as sweet as could be. She was like not mean at all in real life. And I think a perfect example of this is one of the, I think it was the last performance when we were on stage um, for I Know Where I've Been. And it was the last time we were singing that song. And so we're all just kind of watching our motor mouth sing it. And at a certain point, we all start slowly like grabbing each other's hands. And like, I could look around at the, at the cast and like, I see, could see people crying. Like I was crying and we were all just like holding hands during this moment. And it's like that great time in a show where what you're feeling on the inside can inform what's going on in the show. And we were all just feeling like this is such a powerful moment that we're here together and we get to perform this show about something that's, that is really important that we have to take a stand for. And yeah, it was a really beautiful moment that we got to share. Aww. Oh, that's such a sweet story. <laughs> I was waiting for you to be like, my Amber was such a bitch. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> never, never. She actually showgirls me a little bit. Uh, <laughs> to bring right. that back in. <laughs> so um, let's get into Sharp and Flat, shall we? Yeah. Sharp. Flat. So in this section, uh, we're going to highlight some moments. If we liked it, it's sharp. And if we hated it or if we feel like it could be changed, it's flat. Uh, for the movie specifically... Because I know we we talked a lot about the show and everything, Mm -hmm. but let's set that aside. For this movie, what were your sharps? Okay. I feel like I have a lot of them. (laughs) But I think definitely for me, this is the perfect example of when Hollywood casts a bunch of big names in a musical and it, it goes right for the most part. Yeah, we have a couple of moments where you're like, maybe that wasn't the right choice there. You know, I loved Zac Efron's Link. I thought, perfect. You know, he was he was the teen heartthrob at the time. So this was perfect casting choice to put him in this role. James Marsden as Corny Collins was so good. The vocals were incredible. What like um, an underdog dark horse, you know, like you wouldn't, yeah. you, I don't, I wish he was in more. Like if, it, if uh, not more of a movie, but like more musical movies. Yes, agreed, agreed, because don't he know, has such a great voice. I don't know what he could be in, but like, cast him in something, please, Hollywood. I know you're listening. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but Queen Latifah, Elijah Kelly, I really liked John Travolta's uh, Edna, with the exception of the Baltimore accent. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, I just, I thought the casting was spot on for the the, the other thing that I would say, I mean, not that I have met multiple sharps, um, but I want to say the costumes and the, the overall artistic design of the film was, it transported me completely to the 60s. Um, I just thought it was so beautiful and colorful. I and... really, I re- uh, to piggyback off of you on that one, I really liked Welcome to the 60s, where... Mm-hmm you can go very wrong very fast with that with that number i feel like yeah costume wise and so with the boat necks and everything it looked it really looked beautiful and like 
how they matched but didn't like overly match and well done kudos to the movie applause i thought that was so cute i loved that number specifically too where they kind of they're walking through the street and they see the pregnant ladies in the bar like smoking cigarettes and drinking cocktails and they're like oh they're so glamorous it's just like such a funny comment on the time period because again like people didn't know necessarily that like it's not good to do that (laughs) now we know better but it's like funny you know and the kids like sitting in the car no seatbelts on like just again capturing the time period so well and then yeah the choreography i mentioned it touched on it earlier but i just think the choreography was incredible across the board and the dancers were working their butts off (laughs) i agree with you that was like my the first sharp that i wrote down my second sharp is run until that bus sequence yes because i oh i i will on occasion like a few times a year maybe just watch that on youtube watch that scene just to be just to like remind myself you know that feeling of like musical magical real realism whatever mm-hmm. like that's that's why I'm doing why I'm in the business I like that yeah especially when it's in a movie like this and then my last shark is whatever drugs Christopher Walken and John Travolta are on <laughs> especially during um what's that song timeless to me you're timeless to me yeah because whatever they were on, I was just like, can I have some, please? Thank you. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> they were psycho in the best way. I mean, Christopher, Christopher Walken is always kind of just kooky, a Looney Tune in everything that he does. <laughs> love but him. I, I loved it. And yeah, that, that and then I can hear the bells. They both have like these great dream sequences that are just so like, it takes you out in the best way where you're like, oh, this is, you know, they're imagining this happening, but then they cut back to what's actually happening. Um, and they're just in there, you know, like Edna's in her moo just dancing in their backyard. It's really cute. Do you have any flats from this movie? Um, yes. <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to say Amanda Bynes is, you know, not the greatest vocalist. <laughs> so that was not, my favorite um performance i agree a hundred percent did you watch the live of this yeah yeah the nbc live that they did a few years ago how was ariana grande as that role it was like the opposite effect of this for me where i loved vocally what she did with it i think she sounded great she always sounds great but acting wise i was kind of like "Mm, this isn't really working for me you want you want to like mash them together to create like the perfect yeah yeah, it was like, I don't really believe this from you, Ariana, that you're this, like, awkward Oh, no. Yeah. Get attention all the time. <laughs> the other flat, I think I would say, is kind of that they really pushed the white savior thing. Mm. And that it was, like, very clearly, again, like I said earlier in the movie more than the show, I think it was very clearly like Tracy's idea to do this protest and that she was the only reason why, like by the end of it, that the, um, that they made integration happen. It was all because of Tracy. Yeah. I don't know. I wanted it to be more of like them doing it together more than it was Tracy, like telling everybody that they should do this. So like, I, I agree with you on both fronts for my flats. 
I also am going to add John Travolta's accent. And <laughs> like another big flat is not enough Alice and Janney. Oh, yes. Oh you, my gosh, we like, we didn't even talk about her. <laughs> if you're gonna, well, the movie also forgot about her. Because if you're yeah. gonna cast somebody like that, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta deliver her. Uh, what so, there is of her though is so good <laughs> it is gold especially like the um the things that don't actually revolve her character like her on screen so like when seaweed is trying to untie um penny and he's like was your mom mm-hmm. in the military or something <laughs> in the navy <laughs> or like the moments where she when she originally ties penny up into her bed and and she's like, you will live on a diet of saltines and tang. <laughs> As she's walking out of the room, like, devil child, devil, devil, child, devil child. child. Oh, my God. It's perfect. She's uh, just incredible. What songs from the movie would you add to your likes playlist? I mean, can I say all of them? <laughs> I'm going to agree with you. I may skip, like, depending on the mood, I may skip like a couple songs. Mm-hmm. Like, as much as I do love I Know Where I'm Going not always in the mood to listen to it and well okay so you've already played tracy is there anyone else you would like to play if you were able to cast yourself in another production of this you might be the penny that we're talking about i was gonna say it would be really fun to play penny or amber i think would also be really fun Amber specifically is so different from who I am. Your personality, yeah. Yeah, that it would be a fun challenge. And then I think later in life, I would love to play Velma. Again, just because she's so different from who I am. And like, it, it's always fun to play the villain. But you're you're like in your 20s, so you can't play her yet. <laughs> <laughs> in, well, 30s. <laughs> but yeah, and you know... It, Give me a couple, a couple give decades, you, I guess. <laughs> give you like a decade or two, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> if you were to play it when you're 40, makeup can help you in that way. Yes. You know, get you some wrinkles and stuff. Mm-hmm. And on that note, we're done with the episode. Yay! Yay! Rebecca, is there anything you want to like plug, promote? Sure. Um. Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, it's um, at it's Becca Ellen on everything. And yeah, I recently did a cabaret performance with, um, it's an Instagram cabaret uh, called Young Artists Cabarets. And um, the performance will probably be posted soon. It was like a Zoom cabaret to raise money for um, a theater company here in New York. It's run by this young girl, uh, her name is Jenna, who she's uh, 16 years old. She lives in Canada and um, she has made connections with artists across the country and across Canada, all of that, and has us perform in these cabarets to raise money for different causes every, she does probably one or two every month. Um, And I'm not a part of every single one of them, but I get to do them every once in a while. And yeah, she usually re- posts the performances on Instagram after. So um, that should be going up soon. As a, like the segments of it or as like one chunk? like the whole, uh, It'll like... be in segments. So she'll post each individual performer's section. Um, that is so cool. Uh, what, is, what is the handle? Uh, it's at youngartists.concerts. Okay. 
I'll make sure to put that in the show notes and everything. And if you guys want to reach out to me and talk about Hairspray or I don't know if you have any more information about this young artist concerts, uh, you can email me at buttasongpod at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at buttasongpod. I'd like to hear from you. You know, we've got, this is episode 15. Woo! We've done this for a while. So if you have any thoughts and feelings about future episodes, or if you want to be on it, reach out. Um, And if you want to be part of next episode, we're staying in the 60s, because we're going to be talking about Little Shop of Horrors. Ooh, yes. Yeah, yeah. More different style of 60s, but like still in the same vein comedy-wise. Totally on accident. Didn't plan it that way. (laughs) (laughs) Becca, this was great. Thank you so much for coming back and doing this. We'll see you maybe for your hat trick. I don't know when that'll be, but like start thinking now about what you want to talk about. (laughs) Absolutely. I would love to come back. I always have such a great time. Yay. All right, everyone. Bye for now. Bye. Special thanks to Justin Johnson for creating the podcast's artwork and to Nick Bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles in this podcast. And thank you to CastBox for hosting this podcast. Bye again, everyone, and have a musical day.